You can have an idea, you can have talent, but if you do not have your brand together, then how do you align yourself and market yourself to your demographic? No, it's like you have to be recognizable in some sort of way. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I am your host, Victoria, and I'm so, so excited for you all to meet the guest that I brought on today. Her name is Mirlan, and she is a total boss. Like, I was so inspired throughout this whole episode, so I'm so excited for you guys to hear the interview that we did. So she's been running her PR agency, Revamped, since 2013, and I just absolutely love bringing on women, especially women of color who are disrupting their industries and they're just out here creating the lives that they want and that they're so passionate about because as I said I was so inspired and it just really inspires me to continue on my path of creating a life that I'm so passionate and excited about so if you are also in this process of doing that you are gonna love this episode in this episode we talk about her story and what led her to creating her own business we talk about some marketing and branding tips and what she does for her clients to elevate their brands. Plus, we also talk about networking and rebranding yourself and how important that is. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur, creator, small business owner, or even if you are in a space of wanting to elevate your life and create a life that you are excited about, then this episode is for you. So before we get into the episode, I just want to share something really quickly that I have been absolutely loving. So it's my new alarm clock. And honestly, it's so funny that I get so excited about these things but I really feel like when you're in that space of trying to add these little things that make big impacts in your life and in your routine and then you just get excited about them I guess that's like a part of being in your 30s so I have started turning my phone off at night so I needed to buy an alarm clock so that I have something to wake me up and I know a lot of us have probably heard of the hatch alarm clocks like the sunrise ones and bigger brands like that but I happen to come across a cheaper version of one so I bought the sunrise alarm clock and it has the sound machine. It has the sunrise and sunset simulation settings. It has multiple alarms. It literally has everything you need, in my opinion, to get that sunrise like soft wake up effect that you get with those bigger brands. And it is so much cheaper. I think I paid like $50 and I'm so obsessed with it. I feel like it's working beautifully. I haven't had any issues with it. So I am going to make sure I link that in the show notes because I feel like it really has helped me just get rid of my phone at night. I can turn it off, put it away, and I know that I have a trusted alarm clock that will wake me up. And there's so many different settings from brightness to sound volume to the color of the light that you want to use to wake you up. So I'm really obsessed with it. And as I said, I will share that link with you guys in the show notes. And if you decide to get it, please let me know what you think, because for me, it is like such an amazing addition to my routine. Let's go ahead and get into this interview with me. Okay, so I'm really excited about this. (laughs) So I found you, I want to say I was looking up articles about Black women who own businesses and I found you. Maybe it was in a Forbes article, but don't quote me, I might be wrong, but I was so intrigued by the fact that you started your own PR agency. So what led you to doing that? So I was actually, so it probably was Forbes. That was like the first article that I had written about me as a Black female entrepreneur. But um, Mm. I started my company in like 2013, so nearly 10 years ago. 
granted it was just an LLC at the time, but um, I was working at another PR agency, one of those like big sort of agencies in New York. Granted it was boutique, but it was big as in like the name, like it was, it's a well-known PR agency. And, um, you know, I went through some unfortunate events. Um, my father had passed away on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back, you know, they kind of told me like, hey, Merlon, you can have a week off, which I thought at first was like very generous. And then like, you know, after the seven day period was over, I was just kind of like, I'm not ready to go back into an office and have a bunch of people like sort of like try to pity me. Like, I just kind of want to like do my work, get my mind off. So do you mind if I work from home for like maybe a couple of days? And she was very adamant that I was not able to do that. So that had kind of um, deterred me a bit from being under the umbrella. And then secondly, we were in the midst of talking a raise. I had just secured my first major tour because it was a fashion PR agency I was working for. I secured a major tour um, through June Ambrose. It was the 2020 experience with Justin Timberlake and um, Jay-Z. My, I mean, like my first major thing. And yeah, that's so, definitely you know, major. Yeah. And, and I mean, I had only been there for like six months. I literally went from a, from a PR assist to a lead publicist within a six month time frame, And so I wanted to talk raises, like surely if I'm now like taking my boss's spot at this point, I feel like, you know, we should renegotiate my terms. She said we would, and I never got a, you know, a raise. However, the girl who was answering the phones had received a raise. So wow. it just kind of like, yeah, I just realized that like there's a level of unjustness that happens in offices because you never know like the infrastructure, like why they give people raises and why they don't. And that's not something that I'm here to that I was really there to question. It was just something that I realized that I wasn't really fond of. Like, I felt like there was like a ceiling that like a real ceiling in corporate offices that I felt like I did not um I didn't agree with. So instead I started my company and the way that I operate my company is not in that same manner. I treat all employees almost like they're partners. You do have like a, a set salary, but if you bring in a client, we're sharing that 50, 50. I'm treating us all like partners because at the end of the day, like I want everybody to be their own boss. And that's just more so like what I stand for more than, you know, Hey, you come and work for me and you're going to work day in and day out and only make $3,000 a month, even though you worked 50 hours a week for me. I think that is amazing the way that you've decided to run your business because that is going to keep people more motivated. And I yep. feel like that should be a very easy concept for companies to understand, but a lot of them just don't. And it sounds like that company was taking advantage of you if you had went from being an assist to a lead and they didn't really go about trying to negotiate your salary. Like that's wild, but it's also yeah. really normal, unfortunately. It, it's super unfortunate. So after that, I ended up like, I ended up starting my LLC. I took like two months off, went back home to Atlanta, took two months off. And I started like the, the LLC and there were a couple people who knew what the work I was doing in New York. So they hired me, but it was like a, hey, hire my company, Revamp PR. 
And that just kind of led on to other agencies now hiring revamp PR. So I just never went back to that whole construct of an employee after that. I'm curious. So what did that look like? So did you, I know you said you took two months off and you started mm-hmm. LLC. Like how did you start to get clients? Because it seems like this industry, the music and fashion would be a very hard one to get into. So how did you even go about that process? Well, honestly, so I, my first job ever. So like I have this friend who I went to college with, his name's Justin Scott, one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And so like, you know, we were like obsessed with fashion and in school, his parents are a part of this group called a small world. A small world is like a very, very, very niche, small group of like CEOs and stuff um, like a LinkedIn, but only for them. So they post like opportunities in there. A lot of them like give them to their children. So he got this opportunity at Forbes magazine to be a style assistant. He was like, Merlon, go for me. Just go in my place. I don't care about that that much. He's like, I just want to be fly, but I don't want to work in the industry. So I flew to New York and that was how I got my first gig. And from there, like, you know, I started working at PR agencies. But you figure I did that at a at a high scale for about two to three years before I went independent. So by the time I went independent, like I already had a bunch of contacts at Complex Magazine. I mean, I had a very good relationship with Forbes, um, Paper Magazine, Ariana Huffington. She had already given me an article, um, like a column that I was freelance writing for. So it was fairly easy in that way, just because of the networking circles I had been in. And so when people didn't hear from me for like a week or two, they were like, hey, Merlon, what's going on? I'm like, oh, well, I'm in Atlanta, you know, grieving, but like restructuring how I how I do business. And I start sharing ideas. Next thing you know, somebody just asked me like if I wanted to do PR for them, which was an agency. And instead of coming in as an employee, I told them, well, can you actually hire my company? And I want to work on like my sort of terms. I'll come to your office three days a week and, you know, but I'll work for you every day. And so it just kind of developed from there. Yeah, that's really smart. So it's like you basically negotiated to be, I guess you'd call it freelance. But wow, I think that's really smart. So I want to Mm -hmm. back up a little bit. So for those of us who aren't really familiar with what a PR agency does, can you tell us what your company does and why your clients come to you? Yeah. um, Well, I will say this. My, I guess let's start with the first question. A PR agency, standard PR agency, we provide public relations services. So we are the voice to, as your brand to the public, you know, a lot of us, it depends on how your exact PR company is structured. There are a lot of publicists that just do like red carpet. There's publicists that focus primarily on editorial, which is kind of like myself. I focus on primarily editorial, Um, but the great part or the difference between my agency and a standard one or the ones that I've um, worked for in the past is that we focus on experiential and branding services. So we really like when we are interested in working with a client, we literally like dissect, okay, so this is what makes this entity cool. How can we take them and make them relatable or desired to this set of people? And so some of them actually, because we work with a lot of newer artists on the music side, So whereas their brands aren't as developed as some of our clients that we've worked with, like Adidas or Fenty Puma, you know, those are established brands, whereas some of these artists are not. So we will take them and literally like help them figure out their brand ethos. And, you know, whether that be everything from like what colors that they use, their style of, you know, what the talent wears. Um, And then we take all of that and we package it and creatively pitch it to 
different magazines. So, you know, they end up with a lot of different opportunities, like being able to work with Wonderland magazine, but they only have like a thousand followers on Instagram, you know, and they're getting like, you know, just, just different sorts of press, not just about their music, but we really focus on like letting people into the lives of the brand, you know, letting them know like who and what they stand for and all the different entities. So we can take one project and write 20 different storylines for it. That is so cool. So it sounds like these are these newer artists and they, I guess you kind of get their image to be where it needs to be. And then you connect them with your connections that you've already had. Yep. If they're a good Mm -hmm. fit, I would assume. 100%. I like that. So I know you mentioned Adidas and Fenty Puma. So what are one of your favorite projects that you've worked on with your agency? Definitely. One of my favorite projects actually was... It was a couple years ago, that year that Coachella landed on 420. I think that was 420. Oh, I think I remember that. 2019, maybe. But that wasn't when Beyonce performed, was it? No, that was after. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that was either, yeah, 19 because 2020, it was canceled. So yes, that was 2019. So that was probably one of my favorite projects because this one we did not partner. Well, we ended up partnering with Triller, but we produced it like ground up, just totally my team. And so we ended, we had this idea, we had this client named 4AM, young artist. Um, And so we kind of wanted to do like a mile high club you know, obviously 420 smoke something. He's like Mm -hmm. really into like the cannabis industry. So we ended up getting like 16 rappers. Good job first. Uno the activist, Gun 40. Like, so we ended up getting like their entire crew. We rented two private jets. We flew them from Los Angeles to Coachella, um, where we had like these two estates that were connected on one property and Triller helped us produce that. And, you know, so like we got all the artists trending on there on on the Triller platform and we ended up producing a music video on it um, with Good Job First and Uno the Activist that kind of went a little bit everywhere. Like Complex was first to break the news, but that was definitely one of my favorite projects. I mean, we had Sprinter vans full of like models. (laughs) We had to a state, you know, it was just a lot of fun, but it was definitely super press worthy and the artists had a blast. So that sounds super fun. So are you, do you typically go to most of the events? Is that a part of the role that you play with PR? I, I typically go to a lot of the big ones. But like, I'm, I'm very hands-on. I'm not sure, not your average CEO that lets, you know, their employees or partners run the business for them. I'm, I'm in it with you. Like we're all getting our hands dirty. You know, that's also something that I learned from working for agencies that are big far as like namesake wise, or either we're just working with big clients, but boutique wise, when you allow your business to, to run without you, then sometimes it does. And it doesn't run the way that you like it to. So mm. Like I want to also be very true to what I think revamped PR is. So I'm involved in every project. I like that. And I think also, like I know when I've worked for certain bosses, I've loved that they also are willing to get in there and do the same thing that I'm doing. It makes them so much more relatable. And it's good to have a boss who can do what you are hired to do as well. So I really like that. Exactly. It's like, if I can't do it myself, then like, you know, who am I to get upset that you do it wrong? And how do I know that you're doing it the way that, you know, it should be done if I don't know how to do it myself? Exactly. Very well said. How important is the branding aspect of starting a brand or a company? That's numero uno. That's like the number one thing that you have to have together. You can have an idea, you can have talent. If you do not have your brand together, then 
you know, how, how do you align yourself and market yourself to your demographic? You're, True. You know, it's like, you have to be recognizable in some sort of way. Whenever like, you know, fashion brands align themselves with certain talent, you know, that align with their brand, you know, and then they get published in certain magazines, they style, you know, in certain ways in their photo shoots, all of that is important. That makes sense. Because I feel like I've heard also just like when it comes to branding, it's like the colors and certain things you want consistency. So when people see that thing, they associate it with your brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to like, you know, kind of like Adidas in their three stripes. Every mm-hmm. time you see three stripes, don't you know it's Adidas? We do. And like Nike would just do it. Exactly. So you have to have something that everybody can recognize. So if someone is just starting out with either a company or a personal brand, where would you tell them to start so that they can figure out how they want to like structure their brand identity? Perfect example is when I, whenever I'm working with a new artist, I ask them like, what's your character? So like, what's the character that you're playing in your music? Mm -hmm. You have to look at it in that sort of way. So then if you say like, I'm a superhero. Okay, well, explain that, you know, because um, the best example I could give is like Doja Cat in her Planet Her project. Everything that coincided with Doja Cat in that album, I mean, was very well executed. Uh, Planet, so all of her music is kind of like ethereal, you know, her looks are very like otherworldly. They're very like alien-ish. You know, she uses a lot of silver, blue, like cosmic colors in all the videos, on the artwork, even in like her makeup. And then, you know, the her side of it was very female empowerment. So it was consistent all the way throughout, even on her Instagram. So you have to sort of embody yourself in that way. So my first step is figuring out who and what your project is. Who are you? What what role are you playing? What problem are you solving? Or what story are you trying to tell? From there, find a find someone who is an art director and work with them on figuring out, okay, how do I portray that in the world of color? Once mm. you figure that out of color, then you can also figure out typographies, things like that matter. Like for revamped PR, we only use three fonts. You'll never see clients? another font. Like for, for all of our decks. Okay. For, you know, for our, for our cards, our business cards, there's only three fonts for our internal documents, you know, our notes, we literally use three fonts because those are, you know, that's our brand. So it Mm. literally has to be just as precise as like, not just the colors, but also when I see certain lettering uh, typography, like it has to coincide. ACDC, Rolling Stones, those all have the same typography. You don't see the variation of it because you have to almost brainwash people. This is what revamped looks like. This is what revamped looks like over and over again. So then they know that when they see even the typography or the color, they know that it's you. That is really a good point. And it actually made me think. So I know you said you use that in your decks and everything. So say, I don't I don't know if you have merch, but if you were going to make revamped merch, would you have the same typography and colors? Like, would you make sure that translate? 100%. Oh, okay. That is really interesting. 100%. No matter what the, what the merch would be. If it was a hat, my typography is going to be on the hat. Oh my gosh, that's, that makes a lot of sense. So what are two to three things that people usually overlook when it comes to the branding of their business? Consistency 
relatability. Um, and I would say like the actual like marketing aspect of it. A lot of people, you know, think that, oh, okay, I've got my look together. I understand who I am and people are just going to discover me. That's not what happens. We still talk about Coca-Cola because they spend how much amount of money on marketing a year still. That's true. You know, like you can't, you can't leave that part behind. You can't think because you marketed, you know, for this little period of time that that's, that your work is over. You have to continue to stay fresh and continue to be in people's faces if you want to have a substantial brand name. That actually, that makes me think. So I saw something. I don't remember what they called it. I don't know if it was called trigger marketing or something. But basically, the example they gave was when Kim Kardashian came out with her Skims line. I think at first, the name was supposedly kimono but people were saying yeah that wasn't yes. the name like that just brought attention so that she could drop their own name so like, like what are your thoughts like on that yeah so i mean as far as that style of marketing yes and just like i don't know if it's like really true but it made sense when i heard it but yeah is that like a style of marketing that works to be honest i i do think it works i don't always advise using that style of marketing because you do have to have some sort of crisis PR management to, to combat that. Mm, okay. You know, like if you don't have that capability, I would not go that route. You know, but of course it works. That whole fight with Jay-Z and, and Solange and Beyonce in the elevator was fake. No way. I literally someone in my family was just talking about it. And they're yes. like, oh, that's why Solange is so mad at Jay-Z. I forgot the conversation. But I was like, she did seem really mad. Like, it's so believable. I can't believe it's fake. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and people are utilizing that more and more and more ever since, you know, that whole incident. I mean, like I've heard of rappers staging robberies. But, you know, the thing is, you also have to be really careful because you don't want to be Jesse Smollier out here. You True. know what I mean? Like, you have to be very careful with how you do stuff like that and and you know you have to also make sure that you don't offend people because when the kimono i remember that example you used with kim in the kimono i remember how they made such an uproar that the asian community was upset with her for you know for a culturally appropriating kimonos yeah, that's true. I remember that. So that's kind of why you have to be able to play the crisis PR game too. So my advice, unless you can pay for crisis PR, do not go that route. Wow. I'm still stuck on the fact that the elevator fight was not real. So like what attention, what was something coming out around that time? I can't even remember. Yeah, I think um, Beyonce had a new project out. Oh, oh in fact, wow. it was that Jesse, that um, Jesse with the good hair, that song. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wow, like they're promoting that song, and so in order to promote that song, they they caused a riot, like as if he was cheating, and then oh everybody was in an uproar. More people were listening to her song. More people were relating to their man cheating. Wow, that literally, because like, yeah, I remember I was so into Lemonade, and I bet oh, that Becky, had... I said Jesse. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even catch that, <laughs> Becky, with the good. But Sorry. yeah, I I was so into the album, and it makes sense because I really was like, I think we all believe, like, wow, Jay Z yeah. cheating on her, so she came out with this great music, and so even I believed her. it. That is, it was so great. Wild. They did a good job with that, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have to be able to do a good job. I yeah. feel like with with Kim K, unfortunately, because like you know, there've been like a lot of like 
lies and like um, speculation with, you know, the family, like just people speculating and presuming a lot of lies within their camp. It makes it, it makes people kind of like, "Mm, we don't believe that Kimono wasn't your own aid. A lot of people, you know, that I've heard talk about that, they think that Kimono was the name and she changed it because of all of the backlash. Mm -hmm. So that's also like, you have to just kind of know your brand and what do you, how do you want to be perceived That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so for small businesses and creators who cannot afford PR crisis marketing team, what are some tips that they can use to start marketing their brand? I I feel like there are small little stints you can do within your community to stand out. You can always do influencer marketing. I think that's like really huge. I don't advise in people doing the pay to post influencer marketing. I think that, you know, unless you've got an expendable amount of money to spend going that route, it's going to cost you way too much money and you're not going to receive the results that you want. I think the the long the long end game is more so getting a group of influencer, I don't care if they're micro or macro influencers, but um, involving them in some sort of like ambassadorship program to where they are posting you once or twice a week in their own daily lives. You're not making them even say anything about your brand, but maybe just wear it. Or if you're a musician, they are playing your music in the background while doing TikToks, while getting dressed, while hanging out with friends, just an average day life. And then their people will begin to respond and begin to attach themselves because it's a sense of, oh, this is something that this person really likes. It's not paid for. They like this song or they like this brand. And that's how you gain other people's followers, you know? So that's that's probably my favorite route to go. Yeah. I always wonder, because I see so many TikToks on how people talk about how people need to charge more when they're getting reached out to for like by brands. I always have been wondering like how that has changed the game with like being able to get people to join an ambassador program or like, you know, not have to pay them a lot because like it's so everyone, I guess, is trying to be quote unquote transparent about how much they get paid. Yeah. I mean, which honestly, it it just makes it a bit like harder, I guess, for, for newer brands because you feel a bit discouraged. But I mean, you know, who said an influencer had to be somebody that was big on the internet? You know, there's there's probably one person in your actual neighborhood who knows everybody in the neighborhood. That's an influencer. That's true. Even if they don't have social media presence, if they're wearing your brand two, three, like twice a week because they have to take pictures in it. I mean, that's all anybody needs to know and see. And then they're going to ask them, where'd you get that from? And that person might have only cost you because he doesn't have internet presence, only cost you maybe $500 for the month. And, you know, $500 a month, that's what, I mean, average t-shirt is like, even on the low end, average t-shirt is like 80 bucks. So, I mean... You sell That's like true. five shirts and you've already paid for your influencer. True. I think sometimes we are, it's easy to forget that route of like word of mouth and like just having someone wear it out because we are in such a social media society. But yeah, that's like a very good point. So we're in a social media society for sure. But you know, you do have to remember that 
that IRL is still very real. Like, you know, I mean, if it wasn't real, there wouldn't be nearly as much traffic. True. <laughs> so, you know, people still have to go outside. And so, you know, you can always, if you're a clothing brand, I just get it on people's backs. Doesn't, you know, doesn't have to necessarily be the most popular person. You know, a lot of people, a lot of popular people get inspired by the people that they see on, like on the streets. You know, there's a billion things you can do. And the great part about social media is that TikTok is free. All you have to do is just come up with some creative ways. Like we came up with a strategy for one of our clients, Fireman Bands, and he grew from like 10,000 to 30 million on TikTok in two weeks. Wow. What was he the just first posting? Post, oh, go ahead. Yeah. First post we did, which was like funny fight like videos, but they weren't actually fighting. It was like, <laughs> it was almost like a, like a ballet style, you know? And, funny, like, yeah. <laughs> and so we were getting like kids, you know, to do it, like stuff like that. And with the songs in the background, the first video got 10 million views. That was free. So, you know, you just have to really sit and like, think about what can you do that's out of the box. If you don't have the budget, there's plenty of things you can do to get noticed. True. You just have to be really scrappy and creative and then come up with something. 100%. I'm glad you mentioned social media because I was going to say, I know Instagram definitely is very saturated and TikTok is becoming more so that way. So I've been hearing that it's a little bit more difficult for small businesses or creators to grow on those platforms. What are some ways that you think or some strategies they can use to actually grow and get more exposure on those platforms? I personally feel like um, if you're a creative person, you have their creative talents than just the one that you are focused on. So like, for instance, myself, I, I take pictures. I like know how to take pictures. It was something that was a hobby. Like I, I've always asked for cameras ever since like high school for, as like Christmas gifts. So in like rebranding the revamp PR page, that's something that we're doing. We're going to these celebrity events and they're reposting us and our page is growing organically. If you are a stylist, you know, but yet you're focused on branding or something, why don't you style a couple people for free and have them and have them repost you? You know, there's things that I say always bring in another skill or asset to where you can now piggyback off of that to grow your page. Yeah, I like that of the just finding some clients because say someone's going to a wedding and they don't know what to wear, like a friend or family member, they will totally let you style them for free. Of course. And then they'll totally repost you. True. Or even if you post it on your Instagram and you have a follower who's like, oh my gosh, I would love to be styled for free. You could probably even get one that way. Exactly. Exactly. And then before you know it, you know, maybe now you've added a new branch to your business mm-hmm. and you're actually getting more attention. Yeah. Those are very, very good points. So I want to, I know you briefly mentioned your networking circle. So how were you so successful when it came to making these connections and building those relationships? Because I do feel like you are in an industry that I would assume is really tough to get into. Honestly, I, I'm just like unapologetically and authentically myself. That's just 100% it, you know, and the first boss I had, his name was Do- Joseph Diachetes. He, the fashion director at Forbes, he was always like, Mirlan, there's something that you have that a lot of people lost and that's class. He's like, you know, don't let people, I, w- I was very young at the time. He's like, don't let people like make fun of you because you, you have class and you have manners. He's like, that's going to get you a long way. So don't think that you have to be too cool to get in the room. Sometimes that's not what it's about. You know, sometimes it is just about like, you know, having a certain level of respect 
respect for yourself and other people. Because I know that's what's kind of gotten me far. Like I could be in a room full of billionaires and I can also be in a room full of like kids trying to make it. And yeah. I'm the same person in both rooms and talking to just as many people in both rooms. I like that because again, it goes back to that relatability and the fact that you say like you're just unapologetically yourself. People can tell when you're putting on a facade. Like it's so easy to tell. And I think people really respect authenticity. Yeah, like that fake it till you make it. I mean, you could try that if you would like to, but why not just be honest? Yeah, I'm... Why I'm, just be honest? And don't be too pushy. I think, you know, whenever people used that, like, figure to make it, I think what they were really meaning is, like, if you're starving in this room, don't act like you're desperate to make this connection. Just honestly make the connection if it works for you. True. And then, of course, if one connection doesn't work, it's okay because there are so many people in this world that you can move on to the next, you know, if it's just not working with that person. 100%. When someone's starting out, like what tips would you give them to help them get into the right circles to network and start building relationships in the industry that they want to break into? I personally feel like the best thing to do is to just observe. Go out to some like trendy spots or like maybe even like go to like some of these like really nice hotels and just sit back and watch. Go by yourself and just like people watch and pay attention to the types of people that you actually want to surround yourself around. And you literally find those people within the crowd that you hang out in and just go from there. I like that. So you would say do that. And at some point, would you encourage them to approach the person? Absolutely. If you feel confident enough to, to do that in the first outing, absolutely. But like, you know, also I, I'm a firm believer of dress to impress. I don't know if that's, you know, because I started in fashion, but you dress for the attention you want to receive. Mm, I like that. You know, like you can't go into the Ritz and like, I mean, maybe if they were like some beat up Dior's maybe, but <laughs> you can't go into the Ritz have on like, you know, your, your busted Air Force Ones and like, you know, a hoodie on and expect a random billionaire to talk to you or the, or the editor of Vogue to speak to you. You have to have some sense of like confidence, mystique, but dialed through the roof. I don't care if it's like super casual, like all sweats, it still has to have some essence of style to it. And people are attracted to that. Like-minded people attract like-minded people. And so, you know, if your end-all crowd that you want to get into is more of like the fashion realm, then you have to look the part. I love that you bring that up because I was actually just having a conversation with my friend and we were talking about if we want to meet, well, we were really talking about dating, but we were saying if you <laughs> want to meet a different kind of man, you have to go in the spaces where the man that you want would actually be and you have to exactly. also dress the part. Like if you're going to fast food restaurants, but you're trying to meet a man that like goes to five-star restaurants, like you have to change where you're going. Absolutely, you do. You have to change. And maybe you also have to change not only where you hang out, but like maybe it's how you look or maybe it's how mm -hmm. you're behaving in front of these men. Maybe it's your friends. True. That is a very good point. You know, like if you're hanging out with girls that like, you know, are, are more about like their, their physical appearance and you're really more about like what's on your mind, but you're always around that girl and meeting guys, you're really going to meet that type of guy. That's true. Because even if you're not like that, if they get that sense of one of your friends, they just kind of put you all in the same bucket. Yep. They're just like, oh, she's not dressed like that today, but that's her. <laughs> 
Exactly. That's so true. And even I was also having another conversation. Which nothing is wrong with that. There, yeah, you know, there are women who, who just want to be appreciated for their mind only. That's very true. There's also another conversation I was having that. So sometimes when I would go out to run errands, I would kind of just like not even, I literally would just wear whatever. But then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not gonna like go out in stilettos. But if you want to obviously do that. But I'm like, okay, let me like put myself together a little bit more because you never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to run into. So it's yeah. like another thing of just like dressing to impress, like you said, but like no matter where you're going. Yeah, absolutely. Like dress to impress, but but keep the authenticity there because once again, like if you do not have the designer pocket, dress to impress does not mean go out in your one designer head to toe outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can look, wealth is of a mindset. It's not of like a brand. I love that. So I know you mentioned image consulting. So if someone wants to change their image, what are some tips they can use to start the process of rebranding themselves? Um, you know, that that goes back again to the to the defining the character that, you know, you mm. want to play. Like, you know, we're, we're on the Truman Show. So who am I? You know, like, am I a supporting role? Am I the star? You know, am I quirky, nerdy? Am I like the boss? Who am I? And then once you define that, then it's really easy to put the rest of the pieces together. Then you go and you find people who are like that, you know? So if, if you're talking boss, then maybe you go and you look up the Anna Wintours and the Kelly Catrones and you like follow and you look at their page and you see how they dress, how they how they model themselves on their pages, how they speak about themselves, how other people speak about them. And then you kind of just follow suit. Don't mimic them, you know? But at the same time, like if, if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know? Yes. Like- because I mean, when I sit at label meetings, that's what they do over there. <laughs> they're yeah. like, they're like, okay, you're like a Kendrick Lamar type of artist. We're going to do these sorts of things. That makes so much sense. And I love that you bring that up because we were talking to my old trainer and he said, like, if you like see a girl and you like how fit she is, see what she's doing in the gym, like just see yep. what she's doing and then tailor it to yourself. But like, go do that. There's nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before, but just tailor it to fit you. Yep. That's exactly all you have to do. So I know balancing work and your personal life can be a challenge. How do you go about finding that balance? Because it sounds like you, I assume you're busy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you have a lot going on, a lot of big time clients. So how do you find that balance? Honestly, (laughs) car rides sometimes. (laughs) I'm in LA right now. There's days that, um, especially since I've been here, I've been here since before the Grammys. There are days that I'm up at 7 a.m. and I didn't get home till 3 a.m. Wow. So during that day, the only me time I had was that hour drive in the car where I put my phone on airplane mode Mm. or I put it on silent and only answer the calls that I really needed to answer. Or I wake up early and take a hike. Uh, I meditate for 15 minutes before I I leave my house like uh you know that those things for me in fact also because I'm I'm engaged too so it's like I have to still also give some of my energy to my partner at the same mm-hmm. time so it's like and there's times that I don't even want to give my energy to him because I'm like oh I just need me time really fast so my outlet is riding car rides or exercising but I knowing myself I have to have at least one hour for me every day I like that 
And it sounds like no matter what, no matter how busy you are, you give yourself that hour and that time. Oh, yeah. I take it. Even if it's at nighttime, I just I have to take the hour. If not, I'm like <laughs> completely crazed in my head. I need that time. Yes. And we cannot gloss over the fact that you mentioned that you were at the Grammys. So what was <laughs> your favorite part of the Grammys? Honestly, the red carpet, because it was my first time walking red carpet. And I mean, obviously, Beyonce. Oh, she looked amazing. All hit. Beyonce. Are there any tips that you can give on how you were able to grow your business and say there's someone out there who wants to start a business and doesn't really know where to start? Like what advice would you give them? Um, you know, start with figuring out what you're the best at. Um, and not only what you're the best at, but something that you're good at and that you may have even one person who would get that service from you. Mm. you all you need is like one, one friend, one associate, you know, or friend of a friend who who would actually invest in that you know for themselves and like build it out from there then start going about your brand you don't have to have your brand completely put together to start you just have to do it you know um and as the days months and years go by you'll you'll get it all together especially if you're a small business you know then it's gonna it's gonna develop into what it needs to be as you get the clients that you want because your first couple clients might not be the actual niche or market that you want to be in, but they help you learn how to do what you do and they help you learn how to um, how to work with people. So nothing's wrong with that. And you just kind of move from there, um, honestly, but make sure that you're always forever learning in your industry, whether you have to go to conventions or whether you, you know, make sure you have a mentor. You're never too old to learn something new. So I would just keep that in mind as well. And, you know, just no off days. I, I can't remember my first off day. I haven't taken a vacation since college before last year. Wow. So uh, I think that's important to say because I... I feel like a lot of times, especially with social media, we see the product of someone's hard work, but we don't really know the process and what led to getting that life that looks so cool and so amazing. But I think it really is that grit and that hard work. And a lot of times we are like, oh, I want to quit my nine to five to start a business. But you kind of have to know it. It's good. You're going to be working more. Yeah, you're going to work so much harder. My my first um agency to agency like freelance gig, I literally was granted I didn't go to their office, but like three days a week. But that didn't matter. I was at the CEO's house on my computer with her coming up with strategy 1 a.m. Sometimes we took a Hennessy project. Not only did she make me taste all the all the Hennessy, like, which I don't drink Hennessy. I mean, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a, like, I'm just not a, a brown liquor fan. Like, I don't know. I'm not like too much of a sweet kind of person. So not only did I have to like fight through nausea while trying all the Hennessy, <laughs> but I also had to do a deck and I also had to come up with strategy all while completely buzzed and at my boss's house with two hours of time to do it. Two hours or you're going to stay here until it's done. So, that doesn't matter. And what was I going to do? You know, lose revamped PR's first big gig? Of course not. No, because you wanted it bad enough and you were willing to put in that work. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to own your own business, like you have to know that you 
will not have off days. Maybe I didn't go into an office today, but I mean, I've taken like at least bare 20 phone calls today. And I'm at Acon Studio and I have another place to go to afterwards. So it's just like, you know, you're always doing something. Yeah. So what two qualities would you say helped you get to where you are today in your career? I would definitely probably say just the fact that like I'm a hard worker, like I don't have a lazy bone in my body. So the fact that like I work hard and then secondly, like I also just really know what I want and I will do anything within my boundaries to get what I want. Ooh, I like that you said within your boundaries. So you haven't <laughs> set boundaries that you're not willing to cross, which I think is huge yes. because I just think some people will bend their boundaries to get what they want. And then sometimes you can regret it. So I like that you're firm yeah. in that. Well, because if you if you have to bend who you are, what you believe in, then you're actually not getting what you want. It might mm. look like it, but it's not what you want because you're going to have to keep bending every single time. Well said. What would you say is the best piece of advice that you have gotten that you would say changed your life? Oh, my best piece of advice. <laughs> this is this is silly. <laughs> so silly. But um, my mom, she's also a business owner. Um, okay. She is going into her 33rd year of business this year. Go mama. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up with her like, you know, just working crazy hard. But I remember in high school, I told her that I wanted to go towards like the fashion industry. This is before I went to college. She was like, you know, I think you're you're brilliant. You're smart. Uh, you're beautiful. So you got to use what you got to get what you want in the most respectful and classy way that you can. But she's like, don't ever let up and don't ever forget that you're only here because of God. Mm, and that was it. I like that. Okay. Came through with a good advice and it sounds like it stuck with you. Oh yeah. 100%. That's why even on my Instagram, my tagline is I am the brand comma God. A lot of people will say like, oh, I'm the brand God, but also like God is the brand. So mm. I'm only following in that direction. I like that a lot. Do you have any new projects you're coming out with that you can share? Um, yeah, so I am, I'll tell you one thing. I'm, I'm working with Chameleon from HBO Rap Shit. I'm really Ooh. excited about that. She's, she's such an amazing, amazing girl. So um, we're working on putting out some music with her. And something else I'm really excited about will be South by Southwest. One of my artist fireman bands is going to be headlining a show. So I'm super excited. It's his first headline. And um, we're working on a tour this summer. I can't tell you with who just yet, but it's going to be a really big tour. So, oh my gosh, I'm hoping it's Rihanna. (laughs) I'm going to follow along so I can see. (laughs) Girl, I love Rihanna. She's one of my favorites. So can anyone work with you or is there like a niche set of clients that you work with? I go based off of energy and personal excitement for Mm -hmm. what I see and or hear. Because to be honest, there's a lot of people that will work with people as long as they have money and I just don't believe in that because if I'm not inspired when I look at your art, whatever that form may be, you know, whether it's like visual or it's like music, I have to be inspired by you or what you're making or I won't be able to work hard for you. Mm, that makes sense. And the whole point is I want to wake up at two in the morning and be like, oh, my God, I have this idea for my client and write it all out and then contact you tomorrow about it. Like you, you want people to work with and for you 
who are that excited about your brand or it's not going to move the barometer. Yeah. And, you know, no one can say revamp PR. I paid revamp PR $10,000 and they didn't do anything for me. No, I want everybody to say I went to revamp PR and I'm going to stay at revamp PR or I'm going to always use revamp PR. So I, I like well that mindset. Excited. Yeah, I like it because it's more than the money. It's more about the client and what you can do and provide for them so that you guys both win in the end. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. Like I do this not for financial gain. Granted, we all need, you know, money. I mean, it's not cheap to eat the way that I eat (laughs) 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 or to like to dress the way I like to dress or live how I want to live. That's not, it's not cheap to do that, but it doesn't mean that I have to just forget about my brand because that's the thing. Like I'm revamped. So Mm -hmm. I have to just stay true to myself. I love it. Where can the audience find you to work with you or just learn more about your agency? Um, You can find me on my web. Well, I'll go to my website first for like all the information which is revamped our llc.com how to spell it is r-e-v-a-m-p-e-d-p-r-l-l-c.com and um also i have a personal instagram which is my first name mirlan m-y-r-l-a-u-n and then we started our business page which is finally now open to the public and that is revamped pr love it and i just want to say that you post the cutest outfit so if you are into fashion definitely make sure that you follow Mirlan's personal page I am about to go follow because I was noticing I was like wow I love all of her outfits and I'm into fashion I was like oh my gosh so cute Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, grown girl gang.